you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. David, are you familiar with buckets and ladders? You mean shoots and ladders? No, David, I'm talking about life. You mean the board game life? No, real life with 401ks, <laughs> IRA rollovers, and Roth conversions. Oh, you're talking about the early retirement benefits of Roth conversion ladders. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what I'm talking about, <laughs> which is why we invited accountant Brandon Clark of Reexamine Wealth onto the Queer Money Podcast, episode 308, to talk about Roth conversion ladders and how they can help us and our Queer Money listeners retire early. Yeah, good thing we're not doing this alone. Take the first step in retiring early by paying off your credit card debt. Get your free copy of the seven-step credit card debt slasher at QueerMoneyPodcast.com. Now, on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. Gainbridge sponsors the best, including the Indiana Pacers, Indiana Fever, Indiana 500, and the Queer Money Podcast. That's because Gainbridge believes dedication is an essential component of success in every community. Visit Gainbridge.life today. Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. So today we're going to be climbing some ladders, um, <laughs> both metaphorically, but also in our discussion. Accountingly. Uh, right. So we're going we're gonna <laughs> to cover a topic that honestly, several of you have asked about in the Queer Money Facebook group. And John and I are interested in this topic as well for our personal finances. And so this is a topic that we're really kind of excited to uncover. But because there are so many places this conversation could go and how, and it could go to some very deep places. We're going to try to cover a high level version of this. So we're going to climb it slowly. And of course, because we are talking about a topic that's related to taxes and related to retirement and uh, your future, we suggest that you work with a professional if you're going to attempt this. <laughs> don't do this. What do they say? Uh, don't do this at home on, alone. No. <laughs> don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. <laughs> do not try this at home. There yeah, definitely go. talk to an accountant or a financial <laughs> services professional of some shape or form. Right. And because it's a topic that John and I are not super familiar with, haven't gone through it on our own. We have invited Brandon Clark onto the podcast because Brandon not only has the tax background, but he has financial planning background, and he is going to help us uncover and answer some questions that we have and ones that you have all asked us in the group as well. The key takeaway here though, is if you want to get free advice from anybody, have a podcast. Well, none of this is going to cover our specifics, but welcome to the show, Brandon. Thank welcome. you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, before we get started, just to give people a little bit of background, I, I have to say it, and I guess I have to say it this way, someone's got to love it, right? It's not us, but someone's got to love it. So how did you get into accounting, especially taxes and accounting? Why is that your forte? <laughs> Oh boy, where do I start? So let's see. I mean, believe it or not, I didn't wake up and come out of the womb uh, <laughs> wanting to study and be an accountant and learn all the tax code rules that, that there are. 
you know, basically it was the type of thing I got out of school. I graduated from college and what was it like 2004? There was economic uncertainty. Jobs did not come easily. I went to a liberal arts school. And of course, at liberal arts school, they you get these generic degrees. I majored in economics and sociology, which translated into lots of knowledge, but not a lot of practical knowledge. Um, I did take an accounting course in college, though, and you know that's where I learned. Oh, this is like this is interesting. It's a system. It's usable. It's the language of business. As I was thinking about what to do, you know, one of the other things was I was noticed I lived in Washington, D.C. Lawyers in Washington, D.C. are a dime a dozen. So from that standpoint, it was like, I, you know, I was kind of considering these two paths, you know, so I was thinking, you know, scarcity and also demand and getting to learn the language of business. Maybe accounting actually makes sense. And it actually did. You know, I was able to, one of the other things was that independence was important to me. You know, even way back then I had, I didn't know what fire was, but I had this hunch that I wanted to be able to do something on, you know, to have my own practice of some sort to basically, I could accumulate enough knowledge in some sort of topic. And then I would be able to kind of write my own ticket, gain more freedom. So kind of all those pieces together put me down this direction. So you went back to school and became an accountant. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So I went back, I got an MBA and then decided while I was there, I was going to get all the classes to become a CPA. And hopefully I would never have to worry about (laughs) not being demanded in uh, in professional world again. Well, as I understand it, taxes are never going to go away. So if you ever fall on hard times, you can always do taxes. Right. (laughs) And for as Often as they talk about simplifying the tax code, simplifying the tax code, simplifying the tax code, that is something that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's like <laughs> asking uh, Congress people to have to not be able to place public traits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. So you do have a new passion now, which is exciting and something that we're excited, we're into as well. When and how did you discover FIRE and what inspired you to start going down the path of early retirement? I discovered fire, believe it or not, through family, so to speak, you know, before, before fire was even like a thing, you know, I had a father and my grandfather, both were pretty thrifty and savvy with money. Um, And they raised, you know, my brother and, and I in a way where they always focused on what money can do for you, you know, thrift, uh, making sure that you get value for your money and connecting the fact that you actually go to work every day and, and have to earn money as well. So you might as well do something that is meaningful and that you want to do. And so mm-hmm. I had some great influences that way. And then, you know, a little earlier, I was talking about getting out of school and, and just, you know, starting my first jobs. And it was just that feeling of, you know, working so hard and, and just kind of, you know, not being able to be outside and enjoying the world of things. And so I just knew that I wanted to kind of be as optimal as I could with my work. And so it was like, as I started to read all these personal finance columns, I think the first one was Michelle Singletary in Washington Post. I don't know if any of the listeners are fans of hers, but she's pretty great. Uh, and then I started to find Mr. Money Mustache, was read the blogs, and then there were podcasts. And it was like, oh, wow, I love all these podcasts too. And so it was just like, finally, all of these people who are speaking the same language as my family and you know, that all of these thoughts in my head speaking them into existence or whatever it is. But 
you must be one of the unicorns, right? Because I, I think <laughs> that the vast majority of us are are not raised in households where we have parents who are sharing that kind of knowledge with us. Most of the time, I think, especially in the personal finance content creator space, we just find that there are a lot of people who have a bad money backstory, right? Either they're paid off a ton of credit card debt or student loan debt or some form of debt, or they were financial messes like John and I were, you know, they have that kind of backstory, but there are few and far between. There are some people who somehow seem to do it right all along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I consider myself very lucky to have had that background, but I can't say that I don't have my own money stuff too. You know, everyone's got it in some way, like my own own scarcity mindset and and things like that too. So anyway. So as we climb this ladder, we want to, we're going to start talking a little bit more about retirement, right? And that's kind of the place we're going to take this first. In talking about Roths and Roth conversions, let's first start with what is a Roth and what's the benefit of, of having it specifically if you're looking to retire early? You know, folks, sure. this is this whole podcast is kind of following under the financial independence theme that we have for the this year of the one of the themes that we have for this year. So we're talking about early retirement. Why is it important to have a Roth IRA if you want to retire early? So first off, a Roth IRA is it's a retirement account. Basically, you're able to put money into the account and the contributions that you put into the account are going to be tax-free to you. And then, you know, obviously that money will get to grow. And then if you follow the rules and don't take the the earnings on that money out until after retirement, then you know, you're going to get to take out those earnings as well, tax-free. So Anyway, back to the original question, why do you want to have a Roth IRA? The main thing is flexibility. It's sort of flexibility, but then also control. Um, you know, ultimately, you want to be able to kind of roll with the punt, like during retirement or at any time, basically, you want to be able to control taxes and kind of have flexibility to make your tax liability as low as possible. And having a Roth IRA is a way to do that. Nice. Nice. Can you explain how the the Roth IRA might provide a little bit more flexibility with early retirement strategy than say like your 401k or a traditional IRA? Sure. So, you know, like I was saying before the, you know, the fact that taxes can, you can pull money out of that Roth IRA tax-free, that's going to enable you to avoid the 10%. So if you're pulling out just the contributions during early retirement from that Roth IRA, that's going to enable you to avoid the early withdrawal penalty that happens, you know, basically you're accessing money from your retirement account before 59 and a half. Mm -hmm. So if you set things up right, then you can have this flexibility. And that's essentially part of what we're, we're trying to strategize here. Let's just say, just give an example here, folks. Let's say at, tw- at the age of 25, I started, I got into the whole fire thing and I decided that I was going to start putting away $5,000 a year into my Roth account. I need that for the next 20 years. You're basically saying that I have $100,000 of contributions that I could pull out of that account before I reach 59 and a half to be able to use however I want to use that, right? Correct. And not have to pay the 10% penalty, not have Correct. to pay any taxes on that. That's where the part of the flexibility comes in, right? And then what you're saying is that after 59 and a half, 
then anything that's in the account, I can withdraw and not have to pay taxes on that either. Correct. Including the gains. Right. Yeah, the gains. Capital One strives to inspire a better financial path for everyone, including the LGBTQ plus community, through access to credit, tools to manage debt, and product features. Digital products such as CreditWise and Eno are designed to take the stress out of money by helping you manage credit, a key source of potential stress, and stay on top of spending without worrying all the time. Sign up for CreditWise for free today. Heard a rumor about annuities? Cut out the noise by visiting Queer Money podcast sponsor Gainbridge at gainbridge.life to learn more. So I'm curious from your experience, this might be hard because everybody's fire number is different. Mm-hmm. Is there a, cause you want to contribute to your Roth IRA and you want that money to grow over time. Cause even if you want to fire early, you want to make sure you have a nest egg by the time you're 65 or 70 years old and, and likely won't be able to work anymore mm-hmm. unless they figure out how to make us live forever. Is there a sort of a target <laughs> minimum that you want to have in your Roth IRA before you start taking distributions out early withdrawals from the principal? Sure. So I guess I focus because everyone is so different. One of the things that I focus on in general is this idea of tax diversification overall. So when clients come to me, and so now I'm wearing previously, you know, I was, I was a tax accountant. Now I'm more of a financial planner. So one of the things I look at with every client of mine is let's look at your total portfolio and now let's segment it by which kind of buckets you have. So that you've got the tax free bucket, which is Roth IRA, you know, money that's going to be, you're going to be able to access tax-free. You've got tax deferred, which is money that's, um, you know, you're going to have to pay a tax on to access it. So that's like your traditional 401k. Then you've got your taxable bucket, which Mm -hmm. is your brokerage account, savings accounts. So that's money where it's a piece of it is like any earnings on it's going to be currently taxable. And so those three buckets, I want to have we actually want to have some equilibrium between those three buckets to provide for flexibility. You don't want to go all in on any one of those buckets because likely if you do that, it means that at some point in time, you've probably paid too much in taxes. So it's much easier to look at in a whole and as part of a broader strategy, so to speak, you know, and that's why I can't really give sort of like a hard rule of thumb. I wish yeah. I know everyone kind of wants that, but hopefully that makes sense. It does. And I think it speaks to David's point earlier, especially for those who are in the uh, interested in FIRE, tend to have a hesitation of wanting to work with a financial advisor, gets paid off of assets under management. You mm-hmm. still probably want to talk with a financial coach or a financial planner of some sort so they can help you create that holistic strategy and you're not reliant on one particular prong or one, one particular strategy within that whole, your whole early retirement plan. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So you mentioned buckets here. The one was the, the tax-free, which is mm-hmm. the Roth. Then you mentioned tax-deferred. And Perfect. I think that that's, it's, that's probably the place where the vast majority of us have a, a larger portion of our assets, right? That's our 401ks. Correct. That's where that money that our employer and, and we ourselves have put money into. And there are also a lot of us who are old people who (laughs) didn't have the option. I have, I have this filter on super high, so I don't look old. (laughs) But for those of us who had a working career, a fairly decent working career before the Roth came about or weren't aware of it enough and were 
always putting our money into our traditional 401k and didn't have access to a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. So that's the taxable portion, right? That's the, Correct. if I Correct. pull money out of that, if I'm under 59 and a half, I'm going to pay a 10% penalty and I'm going to pay taxes on the money that comes out. If I'm over 59 and a half, I'm just going to pay taxes on the money that comes out. So we kind of have this, these two buckets now. Buckets and ladders. I feel like this <laughs> yeah. is a, a game. How do we, <laughs> early retirement game. <laughs> how do we take from one Maybe bucket and put it into the other game. bucket, right? This is the whole, the whole crux yep. of this. What is a Roth conversion? And, and what are kind of some of the rules around it? Why is it so popular with the FIRE community? And especially as we get to this point of doing these regularly, what's the value? Sure. So a Roth conversion, you know, it's basically, it's a tactic that allows you to take money from your 401k, traditional IRA. I was going to say, typically what you're going to have to do is if it's in a 401k, you're first going to have to move it to a traditional IRA, and then it's going to move from the IRA to the Roth IRA. But the idea is that it's going to, you're going to pay taxes on the money in the year of the conversion. The IRS has a five-year rule where they say you have to wait five years until you're able to access that money. And so what the Roth conversion allows you to do is to get money out of that tax-deferred bucket and into that tax-free bucket. And so you know, you're basically setting up this flexibility for yourself. If you didn't previously have the opportunity to fill up you know, the Roth IRA, you know, if you're now taking advantage of this strategy, you know, it's allowing you to do that. So you do a, I guess that would that be considered a rollover from the 401k, 457, 450, Correct. 453 to the traditional would be considered a rollover. Correct. And then it would be considered a conversion from the a traditional. tax-free rollover. And then the conversion from the traditional IRA over to the Roth IRA right is that's the taxable event. Okay. And then the money needs to stay in there for five years before you can start tapping into it to fund your early retirement. Correct. Yeah. If you want to yeah, to avoid the penalty on that conversion and be able to access it, it has to you know stay within the account for five years. And that would be a 10% penalty? Correct. It's a 10% penalty that you'll pay. Okay. On. Yep. So for those of you who are listening who are younger, and I know that the Criminy podcast listeners typically skew a little bit older, but for those of you who are younger mm -hmm. and just starting off your, your working years and you know you want to retire early, yep. this might be something to keep in mind. There, yeah, Obviously, there's a million great reasons to invest in a 401k, 457, all those company-sponsored type plans, organization-sponsored type plans. But if you want to retire early, you kind of maybe want to have a multi-pronged approach here, like you know, Brandon had talked about earlier, and consider how much you want to maybe contribute to a Roth IRA. Well, hold on, I'm getting confused here. Yeah, no, you're right, John. I, I was actually to wanting, this yeah. was one of the points that I wanted to make too. Is just you're smarter you know, than me. Say it. <laughs> Roth, Roth conversions are Roth conversions are a great tactic. However, if you've got the opportunity to to also be funding the Roth IRA early and often, start filling it up as early and often as you can. And so that by the time you get out to your retirement date, especially if you want to retire early, you'll have those contributions in and that'll be money that you can access. And then you'll also have remaining money in the earnings that's had time to compound. So right. you know. that's what exactly what I was going to say. Thank you for articulating. <laughs> right. So I know that a lot of people say, max out your 401k, 
and then put money into your Roth IRA. You're saying, obviously, it really depends on the situation. Some people who max, who can max out their 401ks, this is kind of a funny thing to say, but some people do make too much money <laughs> right, to yeah. be able to contribute to a Roth IRA. So, right, so you may be at a point where you're not able to contribute, but you're also saying that maybe it might make sense to not contribute, max out your Roth, I mean, your 401k. You might want to put money into your 401k and put some money into a Roth IRA. Yeah. And this is another one of those where like, it can depend. I hate to say that too much, but if you want to retire really early, then you really do want to, you may want to forgo some of the tax deferral Mm -hmm. from putting in the 401k and actually, you know, make sure that you're starting early to early fund that Roth IRA. The other thing too, though, is by, you know, you've got two different limits you're working with. So if you've put it, if you're a high earner and you put all of your money into your traditional 401k, and then you still have the ability to fund your Roth IRA, then, hey, you know, you're you still got the ability, you're still funding both. So, you know, there's just different things to think about depending on sort of, you know, when you want to retire, how high is your income now, different pieces like that. So I'll put a stake in the ground. I'll say that if you're trying to figure out how much to put into your company-sponsored plan versus your Roth, maybe at minimum contribute enough to your company-sponsored plan to get the match. And then maybe oh, for after sure. that, go for, for sure. the Roth or some other equation, because otherwise you're losing money. Correct. All right. So let's let's start climbing this ladder here. What what is We know what a Roth is. We know what a Roth conversion is. That's moving money from one bucket to the other. What is a Roth conversion ladder? All right. So <laughs> the Roth conversion ladder. So it's essentially a tactic that's going to allow you tiers of tax and penalty-free money for later years. So, you know, basically the latter concept is it's a multi-year strategy. You know, you're going to do it, do some this year, you're going to do some next year, year after that. I was going to say you may <laughs> you may do one from here until you're like 70, basically, you know, if it works out right. So basically the reason why you're doing the latter, there's two different tax rules. It's both the five-year withdrawal rule that we mentioned before, and the fact that you, you've got to have those five years that pass by before you can actually access the money. That's part of the reason why you do the latter. The other part too, though, is just the way the tax code works. So we have what's called a graduated tax system, and I'll try to make this as simple as I can, but basically as your income kind of notches up, it's like you're kind of climbing these stairs. And then after each stair you climb, so to speak, with your income rising, you pay tax at a higher level. And so when you think about your Roth conversion, that's going to add money to that highest step. And so part of what we're doing with to do a successful conversion ladder here is that we don't want to pay tax at too high of a level. We don't want to pay more taxes now than you're going to pay later on if you had just waited till you early retired to take that money out. So we're basically, the latter strategy helps us to figure out, just to kind of optimize what's the right amount to take out for a given year so that we can kind of start to, you know, you're basically setting up money for yourself later on. So is because the concern is, I think is what you're saying. If you take too much out in a given year, you could bump yourself into the next tax bracket. Correct. Something you want to avoid. And that'll be contingent on what your income is, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. So, so I could be earning $50,000 a year and be in a lower tax bracket, obviously not the lowest, but in a lower tax bracket. But then if I decided, okay, I've got $100,000 sitting in my IRA rollover that was previously at my employer, my previous employers, I want to convert all 100,000 of that. You would probably say, hold on. Doesn't yeah, make I'm sense. All, I was already like, oh my gosh, right. calm down. Right, right. You would probably say, hold on, hold on. Let's let's, let's actually run some numbers. Right. Because yeah. that would then all of a sudden bump you into a really high tax bracket. Correct. And you yeah. would pay a lot. So you would probably say, this is where it makes sense for you to start thinking about doing it as a ladder, where right. you're every year over we a number of years or here on out, you're gonna roll some over. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. And so I actually have put together, you know, four different questions to kind of help people, to help guide people on this. And so the first question is, what's your current marginal, uh, marginal means highest, what's your current highest tax bracket um, or tax rate? Second question is, how much will you spend later on in retirement the year that you're trying to fund? Have some idea of what that is. The next part is, will a conversion actually save you taxes? You know, when we look at that amount that you're trying to fund later and the need to pull out, you know, money from your retirement accounts, are you actually going to be paying a tax, a higher tax now versus later? And then the final question is what's the optimal amount to convert, you know, based on all those factors. So I was going to say they're, they're not the easiest questions to answer, but I do feel like they are enough to give people direction and to kind of, to help you start formulating what amounts might make sense for you. And you know, if you choose not to work with a professional and if you work with a professional, if they aren't figuring out these questions and they're just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, let's just take a, you know, $200,000 conversion this year. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> it's um, time to work with a, a more professional <laughs> professional. <laughs> uh, just tell them to just pump the brakes. So yeah. oh, I think that, I think those are great questions, at least directional for people. They'll kind of give, give mm-hmm. them what direction they want to go in. And it could be that, you know, the answers to those questions change over time. Um, but for at least sure. it helps you move the ball forward. Yep, definitely. One other question here. If someone does a Roth conversion, so let's say right now you're you're allowed to put a maximum of 6,000 6, into mm-hmm. your Roth unless Some you're 50 years or older, yes. then you can put 7,000, sure. right? <laughs> but if somebody does a conversion and let's say I do did a conversion... What? If you're talking to Brandon, if okay, you're right? not watching this on YouTube, John is making eyes at me right now because <laughs> my comment about our accountant jokingly last year said I'm now able to put seven thousand dollars a year into a Roth IRA, so I'm over fifty. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the question. Den- slight, <laughs> slight uh, denial of throwing Roth some IRA shade status. here. <laughs> <laughs> if I do a Roth conversion, and let's say it makes sense for me to do a Roth conversion of $20,000. After mm-hmm. the five-year period, I can take all $20,000 out if I need to access it, right? Correct. It's a much larger contribution that I'm putting in, even though it's not truly a contribution, but it, it right. acts like a contribution that I can pull that money out. And okay, so that is probably then why it makes sense for folks who are in the early retirement space to start doing this if they are able to, because then they have larger chunks of money that they can access rather than if you've only contributed 
you know, a couple thousand dollars a year for the last 10 years, right? You could only access maybe $20,000. But if I did Roth conversions of $20,000 over a five-year period, I have up to $100,000 I could access or $20,000 a year for five years I could access. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So what are the tax consequences of doing this? Sure. What, what happens to my taxes if I decide I've got $20,000 that I want to roll over into from my traditional 401k or roll over into a Roth IRA? Sure. Yeah. So it's essentially that you're going to end up paying taxes at your highest tax rate. So, you know, basically you're going to, you know, when you look at your tax return, you'll see, you know, your wage income, your dividends or interest or whatever there is. And then kind of, I like to say kind of on top of those pieces, think about the amount that you're potentially going to convert and that will be added to your taxable income. Then of course, you'll be able to deduct out your standard or your itemized deductions. And then that's basically going to determine what tax rate you pay. So it's just that marginal federal, and then depending on what state you live in, your state taxes as well. That's why it's really important to understand when you're doing these conversions, because you could bump yourself up into a a higher tax tax bracket. Um, So you want to make sure you don't do that. And it's not always bad to get bumped into the next highest tax rate, but we also just want to see is that tax rate going to be, is, does it have the potential to be lower or higher than what you might do later on to access that money? And, you know, it's not always the case that it's going to happen that way. And th- the other thing I was going to add to this is I had a few tips for a beneficial conversion. So the first thing is uh, at the lowest tax rate possible. And so, you know, basically you want to convert at the lowest tax rate you possibly can. Um, these, I guess, a couple times when this applies are during lower earning years. So let's say one spouse takes some time off for, you know, maybe unfortunately a layoff or having a child or the pandemic and you just got tired of your job, whatever it is, you potentially are going to have a lower marginal tax rate. The other thing that to think about right now through 2025 is the fact that we do have lower tax rates that we're all paying. I was going to say probably 80% of people, I would guess, are paying a, a lower tax rate. You know, in some cases, maybe 2%, some cases more like 8% than they were paying under the old tax laws. And those laws are in place through the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act through 2025. And I mean, who knows what will happen then, but something to think about. Anyway, back to the rules. Second rule is as early as possible. The reason why I say as early as possible for these conversions is just that it will, the earlier you convert, the earlier or the longer you're going to have for that money to grow within your Roth IRA. Same way that compounding and so forth is great for your investments. It's great for your retirement accounts and, and this Roth account, because we want to see that Roth as big as possible. And then the other part is during a recession or a correction in the market, because, and I guess what I call that is converting on sale. Everyone loves a sale, but when you think about it, when it's your Roth IRA, if you can take out a smaller conversion after the market goes down, pay lower taxes on that smaller conversion, and then, you know, hopefully the market will recover. It always will at some point, and then that money will have the chance to grow as well. That's right. When you do a conversion, you can't move assets over. You got to move cash over, right? 
I think you can actually, so it depends on your institution. Some institutions will actually let you move the securities too. But oh, when you, okay. but what goes on your tax return is let's say you did two shares of Apple, those two shares of Apple will be smaller. And so less money is going to go onto the tax return to get taxed. Right. You know, so to speak, people, if you think about it. Yeah. A lot of people in their 401ks and 457s and whatnot are in institutional shares. So they, they can't, they probably can't do a rollover slash conversion with institutional shares. That's true. That makes sense. Okay. So, so sometimes you say that there's some taxes due. Mm-hmm. When you do this, can kind of kind of explain that. Sure, I'm not getting any money, right? It's going from <laughs> it's going from my traditional or rollover IRA over to my Roth IRA. Why do I have to pay taxes on something I didn't get anything from? <laughs> yeah, that is the hard thing about taxes, and that was one of the parts of doing taxes with for people that was the most painful was because they were like, I don't see any of this money. Why do I have to pay taxes? But you know, the idea is when you look at your net worth and your overall, you know, financial picture, it is, you know, improving, so to speak, just because that money is not going into your hands doesn't mean that you didn't, you know, have some benefit from it. So basically, you know, what the IRS does is you have to report on your tax return the amount that you converted. And, you know, then the tax rate will be computed based on that dollar amount. And, you know, on April 15th of the year after the conversion takes place, you got to pony that money up. So just be prepared for it. And it's best to come from, you don't want to act, I was going to say, it's best to come from money outside of a retirement account because so you don't pay more taxes on it. So Uncle Sam always has his grubby mitts out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what happens if April 15th rolls around and I'm, oh, shit, I don't have money to pay for all these taxes. I can undo this, right? No, it is not undoable. You will be in debt to Uncle Sam and you will have to do a payment plan. The IRS does allow payment plans. You pay interest on them. None of it's fun, but this is another reason why I say you know, follow those rules, pump the brakes, don't get too excited here because, you know, doing, this is a multi-year strategy basically. And it's not something to just like, oh, I heard about this awesome, you know, conversion or Roth conversion tactic, Roth conversion ladder strategy. Like, let's go, let's go, get it, get it done. Right. (laughs) But Brandon said so, I could do it. Right. So (laughs) folks, you've heard John and I use the analogy that we say that credit cards are like swimming in the deep end when it comes to your finances. Roth conversions, Roth conversion ladders are like swimming in shark infested ocean. So (laughs) (laughs) unless you're in a cage and that cage is your financial professional giving you the advice, you don't want to do it. (laughs) All right. So again, why might someone want to use this or do this? What's the real, the really end value of it? You know, one of the big things is, you know, exactly like you were saying before, David, you know, especially if you've got a lot of your money is concentrated in those pre-tax accounts. Same. It's happened to a lot of people. I know yeah. I was, I, I'd say the majority of the clients I've ever worked with, most of their investments are concentrated there. So that's a great time to think about it. The other part is when you, you know, first enter early retirement, that's another great time to start the Roth conversion ladders. Cause when you think about it, that's going to be the lowest some of the lowest tax brackets that you'll face and lowest tax rates you'll face. So then of course, though, you'll be setting up future years of available money, but that's still great. 
for people who are retiring closer to traditional retirement, um, and the, let's say you're around 60 and you are trying to avoid RMDs, those required minimum distributions from traditional you know, pre-tax accounts that you have to start paying for at 72, that's you know, at the age of 60, taking money out and doing these conversions is another way to avoid those higher tax rates that can come later. Yeah, it's essentially, you know, it's, it's for early retirees to make sure that you've got money to spend. It's for later, it's for a little bit of everyone. Everyone can benefit on some level, you know, as long as you're not a super high earner and then you're going to go into a lower earning time period after retirement, then you can generally benefit from this. Speaking from experience, it's a great strategy for folks who are starting their entrepreneurial endeavors. Mm, and yes. you're, you, if you have decided to quit your your traditional nine to five job and you're working, you're switching because we know that's happening in mass right now. More, yes. more companies were started in 2021 than any time period before. <laughs> if you are starting your own business and you're going into your entrepreneurial endeavors and and the vast majority of us don't out the gate start earning six figures, right? Yep. So you may be in a lower income bracket and you want to retire early, this is a perfect time to start thinking about doing it. This is, as John That's mentioned it. at the outset, we're kind of doing this selfishly to get some of this knowledge because John and <laughs> yeah. I- Where were you eight years ago, Brandon? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, wanna, we wanna start doing this. <laughs> David, that's a yeah. great point. Those are some of the best candidates for it. Not only that, because not only because of that part, but you also, usually when you are an entrepreneur, especially if you're like a solopreneur, you have access to solo 401ks. Sorry if I'm going too deep into the nerd weeds, but <laughs> solo 401ks, you can really start to pack away some money, which can help you to lower your overall taxes. So you're kind of like, you're setting up more money into the traditional accounts, but then you're also like moving money over, which is this great sort of like, you know, you're moving money into all these different places, but getting it so it's not taxable and find which which shell the money is under. <laughs> yeah. So we're moving things around. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I guess this is the part where people are start to think about us tax accountants is like you're just doing all these random things, like moving all this money around, and it starts to get weird. But this is all legal stuff. It's it's not really that. There's nothing that you're doing that CD. It's just being savvy. Nice. I love. It. I do have to say, I've had more boring tax discussions than today. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually quite entertaining and exciting. So yeah. I'm a little bit disappointed we didn't do it sooner ourselves, but maybe it's something we need to start considering. But to that point, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Since our listeners do skew a little bit older, is there an mm -hmm. age? Do you reach an age when the? But maybe this doesn't make sense. Where it might be, where it is cost prohibitive, where the value is just not there anymore. I would just say if you are skewing older, but and you're also in your higher earning years, there may not be as much value. Like if you're in, you know, let's say that you're, you know, you make four hundred thousand dollars a year, so you know you're probably in the higher, like thirty-two percent or higher tax bracket, and now you're trying to consider doing conversions. The case for doing them, especially if you're going to retire soon or retire early, mm -hmm. it just may not be there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, otherwise, you know, like I said, even once you get towards like 60s, you know, considering some sort of ladder, maybe your ladders are just a little smaller. It just depends on your case and how much you're looking to kind of fund and where your other money sources are. So one of the, the important things to think about is you mentioned the, the growth, right? The long, 
in your traditional IRA, you pay taxes on not only the, the money coming out, but the growth that comes out as well, right? So you, you, you put the money in, you're paying taxes on the money you put in, but you're also paying taxes on that growth. Whereas mm-hmm. in the Roth IRA, you're not paying taxes on that growth. So $5,000 today when I'm 60 sitting in my traditional IRA that grows to $50,000, I have to pay taxes on all $50,000. But if I move mm-hmm. that $5,000 over to a Roth IRA and it grows to $50,000, I don't have to pay taxes on any of that because I already money. paid the taxes when I moved the money over when I did the conversion. Yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially how it works. But I guess the thing is to also think about, too, is that while that money is growing, that 50000 of future dollars, you know, the tax code is kind of like creeping up there, too. Like each year, the tax code gets adjusted for inflation and so forth as well. So like definitely part of what you're saying definitely makes sense, too. But there is a thing where you don't want to just I guess I do caution people because I have seen a lot of younger clients especially higher earning clients who, who just say a oh, Roth all the way, Roth all the way. But then I see them paying taxes at like the 30 to 7% bracket. And it's like, uh, yeah. you know, and that, like ultimately the fact that the, we do have a graduated rate system means that in retirement, you very well could end up like if you don't have if you don't have crazy spending uh, habits or something like that, then, you know, you may be missing out. Like each one of us gets around what is it like $12,000 each year as a freebie that's not taxable. And then we don't usually get into the higher tax brackets, like the 20% bracket until, you know, around a hundred thousand dollars in income. So just some pieces to think about. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of, there's some optimizing to it. All the more reason to talk to somebody who knows more than you. (laughs) With that being said, how can folks find you and follow you and stay engaged with all things Brandon? All things Brandon. Um, so my platform is called Reexamine Wealth. I am a financial planner and coach. So I work with people who are on the path to financial independence. I like to work with people who are, you know, DIY investors, uh, entrepreneurs, and so forth, and basically help them to build uh, a plan that will work for them. So I work with people on mindset, setting the right goals, and then also optimizing your money. Nice. I love it. Well, thank you, Brandon. You gave us some uh, a lot to think about, and you probably scared some people <laughs> into, <laughs> into wanting to take some action here. So thank you very much. We appreciate thank it. Thank you guys for having me. Hopefully not too much on the scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, not scary at all. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you, Brandon, for talking to us about Roth conversion ladders and how they can help us retire early. And thank you, listeners, for listening to another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. Here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. If you have or are building a sizable company-sponsored retirement plan and think you might want to retire early, talk with a tax professional about how Roth conversion ladders might benefit you. Maybe even connect with Brandon Clark at Reexamine Wealth for future guidance. Then join us next week when we talk about how to find your purpose in life. Meanwhile, take the first step to retiring early by paying off your credit card debt. Get your free copy of the seven-step credit card debt slasher at queermoneypodcast.com. Thanks again, and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. 
Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.